0: the
1: Almost Perfect Podcast.
0: Welcome to the Almost Perfect Podcast, a celebration of fuck-ups, failures, and falling flat on your face. This is a podcast that believes you can learn from experience, but that experience doesn't have to be your own. Ha, I'm Bob Perfect, and I'm a functional fuck-up. Let's learn from somebody else's mistakes. And today we are actually learning from John Edwards, because it is a crossover episode, yeah, man, it is Tell Us More X, The Almost Perfect Podcast, where Jack LaHockel and I teamed up to have a conversation, a back and forth, since we have interviewed each other on our respective podcasts before, which is more of a one-way chat most of the time, you know, although I think, you know, with The Almost Perfect Podcast, I, I get a lot of it. I talk a lot, um, but in a lot, but <laughs> this conversation I wasn't allowed to, this conversation was a back and forth between myself and Mojack, who is a phenomenal comedian, a fantastic interviewer, and someone who I just dig, like, really hard. Him and I have gotten to, you know, know each other a bit more over the last year, we've been playing games together, we send each other little messages, being like, hey, you okay? And uh, just checking in there, those sorts of things. So, yeah, man, I I dig Mo's mind quite a lot, I like his approach to things. And I feel like we're kindred spirits in some ways. We we do some, you know, we we think similarly in some ways and different in others. And that's what's dope about this chat is we we find common ground, we see where we're different, and yeah, man, we have just an open and honest conversation about stand-up comedy, about writing, and about podcasting in South Africa. So we we get into we get into quite a lot. And I'm going to let you know off the bat, I definitely think, like, I probably pulled a Joe Rogan here at some point. Like, I'm not sure if everything I say is actually factually correct. So, yeah, there were definitely times I was talking about shit I only half understand. So don't, don't be telling other people, like, some of the things I say as fact, you know, maybe maybe go Google and see whether or not I'm right. And I do I talk a lot of shit on this podcast. That is just me speaking honestly, but I do know that that can be misinterpreted and that some people might feel some type of way about it. But I'm honestly, I'm not trying to knock anyone else's hustle. I'm not, you know, trying to dismiss what anyone else is doing. It's just for me, I'm trying to figure out what's right for me, you know? And when I talk about South African comedy, I mostly mean Durban like it's no secret that I just don't really vibe with the scene here anymore, and I don't really feel like I'm missing out on anything. Like, do I want to do comedy? Yes. Do I want to do it the way it's being done? Mm, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not so sure. And especially, obviously, not in a panini. So I might be doing my little podcast. Um, you know, and once enough of us get vaccinated, then I'll put together my own shows and. I just don't feel like I need to be in the mix, you know? Like I don't need to be on... Un... It's weird because obviously in comedy you need practice. So that's the thing. I know I'm going to need to do that when I start to do comedy again. But I've got the jokes. I've got lots. I've been writing again. I've got stuff. And I'm going to try it in different ways. Which is something we essentially discuss a lot of in this podcast. Is how to how to find your own way. How to do things your own way. And so, yeah, man, I'm actually, I guess I can tell you moving back home on Wednesday. So that's going to be exciting. And one of the things that I'm going to be doing with regards to that is I'm going to be streaming more on Twitch and I'm not just going to be playing games. Like I'm definitely going to be playing games, obviously, but I also figure it'll be a cool place to try out new material and also retire some old material. I have mentioned that before. And then even maybe tell some poems, man. I've got I've got a couple of poems in the bag from this year. I'll try I'll try to write some more. But I feel like that could be a way to do things for now. I mean, I'm still on that train of like no performing, but I get other people are doing it, and you all know what you're doing and need to make money and all of that. I get it. So yeah, whatever. It just, everyone feels how they feel about that shit. Either you're cool with it, either you're not. We're over a year into this thing. There's no point preaching to anyone. You know the vibe. So yeah, man, I I trust you to make your own decisions there. But for me, it is just about holding tight for a little while longer. And then, yeah, figuring out the path I want to take. Because I do still want to do stand-up comedy. I just don't want to be a part of the fucking comedy scene. Like, is that okay? Can you do that? Is that possible? I guess we're gonna fucking find out um yo what a week (laughs) South Africa truly is a fucking movie that is just it's unbelievable man (laughs) it's just not real this country isn't fucking real how do you have Cyril and Ace both both suspending each other fucking Ace like posting weird ass shit on Twitter just Calling journalists—it's, oh, it's a lot, man. It's a lot, and then you've got fucking the DA. Just, I don't know, man. Like, are they a parody of a political party? Is that what it is? That what they're doing? Like, is this whole thing just an elaborate? Is South African politics just like an elaborate joke? Like this, we're gonna—it's fucking Leon Shuster, isn't it? He's gonna pull out, like, pull a mask off. He's actually still around, Maposa and John Hazen <laughs> and Helen Zilla. This is one of the greatest, like, living projects, well, art projects that we've ever seen. Because I guarantee you, one of these days, he's gonna pull the mask off and just be like, you've been shucksed. That's that's it, this can't be real. This cannot be real, man. You I hope, yeah, hope you're having a good week. I've had a... Interesting week. I've been packing up like a lot for my grand, like all with my grand. We've been like, yeah, doing a lot of the final preparations for her move to Jo'burg. So that's been something. But then today, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you on the Thursday night um, <laughs> on Twitter. Well, we all got a little entertained, didn't we? Hey, hey! For those of you who follow Almost Perfect ZA, you would have seen me duking it out with old Afros Chicken, which. Yeah, no not how I thought like I would end the week, but I had fun. I hope they had fun. Um <laughs> I don't know if they did to be honest. It's so okay, so here's what happened, right? Two years ago, I pitched to Afro's, Hey, wanna sponsor the Heat City Comedy Festival? And they were like, Yeah, hey, we'll think about it And then they're like, Hey, nah. Not not now. Maybe maybe chat later. And I was like, Okay, cool. And then I'd sent them an email after the festival, showing them all the media we had done. You know, we were on newspapers, we were on TV and all of that. You know, we were on websites. there was lots of interviews done, like, you know, in Zulu newspapers and fucking, you know, all the different vibes, like we were getting out there. So I sent that to them, never got a reply. This morning I wake up and I see Afro's Chicken has liked my post about Luis Agola, Something I posted two weeks ago, And I forgot that these people were still following me on Instagram because my Instagram account's been on private for over a year now. So this is the first time I think they've interacted with me and it's because they see a famous name. And so I'm like, I'm a little annoyed at this, you know, I'm a little like, it's early in the morning. I haven't yet had my coffee and I'm a bit touched. I'm a bit like, well, this is a bit disrespectful. And I get that I'm reading too much into it. Okay. At the end of the day, now I'm like, hey man, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe you're a little paranoid. Maybe, but you know, I was just like, how's this shit? How are you gonna lack like my fucking, you know, posts <laughs> on my private account, which once again they probably followed me before I went, uh, private. But yeah, I'm like, how are you gonna, how are you gonna lack like one post, and it's with you know the most famous person essentially that I've interviewed. Like, what's this about, especially after just ghosting you know and I get that there's different people handling the social media and other things although it turns out not really people I've been chatting to at the top of our phrase. well not really at the top but in the marketing department I just went rung above the social media marketer that they've hired I know those because they've emailed me to apologize for (laughs) um that's the thing okay so I tweet about it and I'm just like Oh no, not Afro's chicken! Uh, Actually, let me just get the tweet up. Like, it is a little petty. It is a little silly. I'm not going to lie about that. Probably didn't need to say it, but after today, I feel like it was a was a good call. Uh, So let me find this tweet. Sorry. Okay, so I said, "Not Afro's chicken." Lacking my shit on Instagram after turning down the opportunity to work on the Heat City Comedy Festival and then ignoring my follow-up. Surely not. If you want chicken in Durban, go to Big Joe's, which is something I can definitely recommend. Like if you eat chicken, quarter chicken and chips, there's like 35 bucks and it bangs. Like I'm into it. Um, But yeah, not an ad, by the way, just a genuine plug. So that's my tweet. It's got one retweet, six likes. I then followed up with, personally, I think they turned down my proposal because Neil Green and I brought up that they only played one South African music on the live from the Winston podcast. And they shortly started playing Cussman etc., et cetera, soon after this dropped. So that's the thing. I actually do think that. I'm not sure if they've heard it, but it was kind of weird that after Neil and I, in our podcast bring up that Afros, played a lot of Desmond and the Tutus, man, for, for a company called Afros that's owned by white people. Uh, <laughs> not even going to get into that. But anyway, a company called Afros was just playing the most 80-blow like, kind of music was a little strange and soon after that podcast dropped they did they started playing more local music they started playing more music with vernacular in it they started playing more hip-hop and I I noticed that and I've always kind of thought that hey maybe maybe they didn't sponsor the festival because of that and I was like that's fine I get it you know (laughs) like you don't want to work with people that are talking shit about your brand makes total sense anyway They get back to me on Twitter and on Instagram just being like, yo, what are you talking about? Blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, yo, just leave me alone. I don't want to talk about it. Like, this is what I've said. Just leave me alone. And then they follow it up like with the thing of, oh, please email us your proposal. And it's like, this was two years ago. (laughs) But obviously the social media manager doesn't know what's going on and that's fine. But maybe ask someone higher up before you eventually tweet me This absolute gem. Man, this is fucking... This is actually a beautiful diss and I respect it in that regard if it wasn't from accounts with like 750 followers. But they said, first and foremost, we're not entirely clear about what you would like to work on with us. Your brand presence or lack thereof does not even entice us in terms where value would be shared between us. (laughs) Ugh, they then follow that up. That's a deleted tweet, now, with the other one still up. So if you want to work with us, feel free to reach out to us again and we'll look at your proposal. But if you don't hear back from us, we're probably still working on something more important. We appreciate your feedback and support. Yellow heart. Now this is fucking cheeky. And I personally appreciate that. I think brands should tell people to fuck off more. Genuinely. But, seven hundred and forty one followers i went and looked heat city comedy festival eight hundred and something followers haven't tweeted from there in two fucking years so you want to talk about brand presence afros more people are going to hear me talking about you now than they're going to see your fucking tweets so pay me that's all i want it's actually not what i want i want you to fuck off that's what i want so yeah this is all spiraled out of control um on twitter and so it's just weird because they were following my personal account, lacking my personal fucking Instagram posts and then being like, oh, we don't see the appeal to you here. Like, oh, really? Oh, really? Oh, really? Maybe, just maybe you got a little touched and maybe, just maybe you had no fucking clue what was going on and maybe you should have spoken to your boss before tweeting off some shit. And causing some trouble for your brand. But yeah, I've done community management. I know how it goes. Some days it's tough. Some days you're just like, yo, fuck this asshole. And that's why I run my <laughs> own social media accounts. So I can literally say, yo, fuck you. And you go, how can this brand say this thing? It's like, well, because it's me. I'm the brand. So I'm telling you to fuck off. And it's so much easier than hiring, you know, hiring young people who have to deal with the stress of assholes like me on the internet. And then they say some wild shit back. And then it's a whole big jamos. Because now... I've got the woman who I was originally dealing with uh, for the festival who I chatted to emailing me and being like, Oh, I'm sorry that I never got back to you and this and that. So and it's like, doesn't mention anything about the tweets, like the disrespectful tweets. And just completely glosses that over. And it's just like, I take responsibility and this and that. And it's just like, I just, I asked you to leave me alone, like in, like in the first DM. Like that was it. Like that's all I said was, Yo, I understand you're doing your job just leave me alone and they didn't leave me alone so here we are fuck out for us. oh with that shout outs yes we are getting to the part of the show where if you're not your name's not mentioned you probably skip it so here we go this is for the patrons at the ten dollar tier it's called the titular titles tier and it means you get to work for the podcast if you give me ten dollars a month. You also get like a mug after three months, you get stickers immediately, or kind of immediately, like usually like a week or two after, depending, sometimes three, sometimes four. Sometimes it's me, sometimes it's the post office. It's time to give the shout outs to the cast and crew. It's the Chief Sales Officer of Subtle Heresies in the Great Overberg Region, Rousseau. Shout outs to you, bro. Shout outs to the inevitable ruler of the universe and Queen Swifty, Kath Jenkin, Shout outs to our executive producer, that is, of course, Stephen Oliphir. Shout outs to Julian, who is the king. Shout outs to Karan Chetty, who is the assistant to the regional manager. Shout outs to Vishendra Naidu, who is our spiritual advisor. Shout outs to the almost perfect hedge fund manager, who is, of course, Karan Sleman. Shout outs to the Key Grip, it's, it's a key role. Shout outs to Neil Green. Shout-outs to our pantsless weasel, who is Tyrone Love. And lastly, shout-outs to our anonymous benefactor. Now, if you can guess who the anonymous benefactor is, email me, bob at almost perfect.co.za and I'll send you a pack of Almost Perfect stickers. And lastly, if you want to support this podcast, you can also do so by buying a mug. Yes, I've got Almost Perfect mugs, literally just the logo on the white mug. but It looks like the Print Room Durban handled that. Shout-outs to them. They give me a little discount. I give them a little shout out. That's how that works. Go get your stuff done by them. They really are solid. They've worked with, I've worked with them for years. Used to put like print uh, Durban night posters with them. Like when we poster and I were doing gigs together. We've, yeah, like worked with Print Room for a long time, done a lot of work with them, and I've found them to be very dope. So shout outs to the Print Room for printing the almost perfect stickers, the almost perfect mugs. And whatever else, we're going to be getting printed from them in the near future. Uh, As I was saying, though, you can get a mug. They are 100 rand. Each 10 rand from each sale goes to Sasonke, which is an organization that is working to decriminalize sex work in South Africa. They are sex workers themselves. And you can go check out sasonke.org.za to find out more about that. And with that said, well, it is time for the crossover episode of Tell Us More and the Almost Perfect Podcast with myself, Bob Perfect, and the one and only Mojak Lohoko.
1: One, two, one, two, run things, rude boy. This is MoJack Lohoko, and this is the crossover uh, podcast you never asked for. Of course, I do tell a small podcast, and I'm joined by the one and only uh, Bob Perfect from the Almost Perfect podcast, the podcast about fuck-ups, people who do wild and crazy shit, and it's going to be a ton of fun. Bob, how are you doing, bro?
0: I'm all good, bro. I'm, I'm living well. But I actually wanted to know, how are you living Mo Jacklo Huckle?
1: I'm chilling, bro. I went to the driving range today with my man's Wade. He's a he's a graphic designer, good people's good friend of mine from high school, and uh, yeah, we just hit some balls. We chatted a little bit, and uh, it was fun. You know, I'm just trying to take it easy. I watched Lloyd Gola's thing with Hassan Minaj today. Did you see that?
0: Oh no, I did not see that. I actually went uh, to the fucking car dealership with my gran and waited with her to get a new key for her car and then we went and had breakfast and then I've been packing boxes. <laughs> so no, I did not see the the Lois thing with her summer with Hassan Monaj. What's the vibe?
1: The vibe is it's about our learning of course Loy's got a new special that dropped and Hassan is talking about like when Loy figured out this idea of unlearning how it became the core of his new show. But the thing that stood out was Hassan said Loy seems like a person who is living life, you know, like while, while yeah. some people are focused on a project or an idea, he's out there living while he's doing that. So, you know, that's kind of been my mission too for the last, I guess, 12 months or so is to live a bit. I mean, there's limitations because we're in a panoramic. Um, but yeah, so that's what going to the driving range is a part of.
0: I totally feel you there. I feel like I've been like in stasis for the last few yeah. months, but in its own way, I definitely feel like I've also been living because for people who don't know, I've been living with my grand for the last, like, six, seven months. And in between that, I've been living with my grand and my grandfather. Mm -hmm. but my grandfather's no longer around. So there's been a lot that's happened in all of this time. And it's taught me that living isn't necessarily just living for yourself. You Mm. know, it isn't just necessarily, like, doing all the things that you want to do with your life. Sometimes living means giving back to other people. And it means, you know, being responsible. And it's also... You know, learning from hectic experiences, I guess, because what I've been learning over the last while is that life really is about the duality. It really is about the good and the bad. It's Mm -hmm. really about, you know, the dark and the light. It's without the heaviness, you don't get the fun. Like, that's something I'm really starting to value.
1: Uh, it sounds like you have found purpose and meaning. Is, has this been a spiritual awakening? What happened, Bob? What happened in hard lockdown that, that changed you, bro?
0: I don't know if it's purpose or anything. Because <laughs> like, I don't know <laughs> if I believe in that. Like, I'm so weird, bro. Like, like I'm, you know, like during the lockdown, I got back into philosophy, which was one of my first loves. Like, ever since I was young, I've yeah. been dabbling. But you know, never never learned never studied it or anything like that. Just been picking things up here and there. So yeah. you know, that's the thing. My my philosophies in life are very disjointed and weird because here I am like reading Albert Camus, but I'm also like listening to Alan Watts. So, <laughs> you know, you got the one person saying life's absurd and meaningless and you just gotta find the joy in it, and that's Alan Watts. Um so that's yeah. a joke from people who read those two
1: guys yeah that's what i was gonna say bob as you mentioned both of those examples i was like i know neither of these so uh i need to step my philosophy game up
0: well um albert camus he's like an absurdist he thinks like life is absurd and that you have to like his whole thing uh was about sisyphus where he said you have to imagine sisyphus happy like you know you have to yeah you have to imagine that he's happy in his daily task because it's the same thing that we're doing
1: Okay. What is Sisyphus? (laughs) Like, you've lost me again.
0: Oh, yeah, sorry. So, Sisyphus is this homie who he pissed off some gods. I can't remember exactly which ones, but it was probably the Greek ones. And they condemned him to roll a a rock uphill all day, every day, for the rest of his life. And it always falls back down. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, so to Camus, the whole thing was that, um, yeah, this is life. And so you have to imagine Sisyphus happy. And then Alan Watts is this British dude who got super into like Eastern philosophy and is a good teacher of that sort of thing if you know yep. you're an English guy. So sure. yeah, I've been enjoying those sorts of things. I've also been reading Nietzsche, which is also like on a whole fucking different thing.
1: I so, like Friedrich hey. Nietzsche and Beating the Horse. That's my guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've got Thus Spoke Zarathustra and I've, I've read the first like couple pages but i'm gonna have to read them again and again
1: <laughs> hey man you take your time with that kind of literature i remember the first time i tried to read sun tzu's Art of war and i was yeah. like in high school and i was like nah fam what do you mean the mountain and the whatever like this doesn't help with fifa you know what i mean <laughs> and then and then but it when does, i but it does yeah but you have to have like the mentality and the acumen to understand that stuff you know what i mean
0: yeah, I guess some literature is just above the level when you're like young, you're you're looking for all this wisdom, but you have to actually go through life a little bit to understand this shit. But I assume you've been a reader your whole life?
1: Sort of. Yeah. I mean, I have read quite a lot. It was really big in my family. So I remember like this one homie, JP, was a good friend of mine. One day he got sick and he wasn't at school for like a couple of days. So I went to his crib, like he lived maybe two blocks from Greenside Primary and um I don't know why, but like he gave me a bunch of money after I visited him. He gave me like 300 bucks. You know, he was he was doing nice. Um, not oh. him, his family, you know. Not like we were 11-year-olds <laughs> who were CEOs of like multinationals. But he gave me like three clips. And I lived in the Marinsa at the time. And I took a walk like a block to the bookstore, man. I bought myself like four goosebumps. Like, you remember that? R.L. Stein. that was my shit. Yeah, Ral Dahl yeah. was a big favorite. The Harry Potter books were weird because, you know, also we've we've cancelled JK, but that's for another day. I read I read them from the third book. So there were a lot of references of like, why is this nigga still under a, a cabinet or a closet? What the fuck's happening with Harry, man?
0: <laughs> I got into Harry Potter as well because like it was a popular thing, but I was like a library monitor at the time. So I was like yeah. At first, like, just, like, being a bit dismissive because it was a popular book. And then I read it, and it was, like, I liked it. But then I carried on reading the books, and, like, by the end of it, it's just, like, this bitch is writing a script. Like, she's describing (laughs) everything. Like, this is literally just telling me what's going to happen in the movie. This isn't, like, this isn't writing a book. So, yeah, I I got pretty over it. But, yeah, man, books are something that, fuck, dude. Like, if I didn't have them when I was younger... Like, I don't know where I would be because they just taught me everything I needed to know because I was like socially awkward when I was Mm -hmm. younger. So that's, but also the problem is I was socially awkward because here I am reading books by adults about adult things. And I'm trying to interact with kids (laughs) and trying to like romance girls by like, you know, writing poems and giving them chocolates and all this shit. And meanwhile, I just had to have like the right hairstyle. I didn't
1: know. yeah you were focused on the wrong thing it's like yo bob we're trying to get like status deodorant and smoke weed and you're like check out this book Mark. it's like a totally different <laughs> like, it's like who the fuck's this guy
0: yeah man well the reason i wanted to like ask you about the book thing was mostly just because how did you get into writing
1: how did i get into writing so i think i mean you know like with every story you can go back a little bit further but um yeah. I guess like I was always kind of good at writing speeches. I was good at English. And okay. then, uh, in, did in you do great-
0: debating? You, you struck me as a debater.
1: Yeah. I mean, you, well, so funny story. Well, actually, not funny, just a story. People will decide. Um, my English teacher, Miss Antil, was like, yo, you got to come speak. You got to do this public speaking thing, you know? And I was like, okay, ma'am. I was like, I really dug it. I think I maybe had a crush on her, but that's, you know.
0: And um, <laughs> Mr. Mayor so, Glenwood, shout outs. Only reason why I offer cons? cards.
1: You know, like, you know, a squeeze is a squeeze. No, um, am going to get in a lot of trouble for this. But so she was like, hey, come do public speaking. So I, I rolled through, but we we're also doing impromptu, which meant like you get the topic. I don't know. I think it's 30 minutes before and you write speeches. Yeah. And um, mine were always funny. and I was doing bits and then. Miss Antil was good friends with my other English teacher, Mrs. Biddlecombe, who asked me to do debating. And I did that. I got full colors for debating in high school. Uh, fast forward, nice. I guess, into maybe my... Th- I don't know what year I was in university, or I just maybe dropped out. And um, I i was doing stand-up comedy, and I'd met Loicola. And after knowing him for maybe like six months, he's a good dude, really good dude uh he he had launched late night news you know and i texted him i'm like man this is crazy your show is going up against the champions league like the biggest fucking football event outside of the world cup you know i thought that was really brave and eventually i i hollered at him i was like hey man can i come to these brainstorms you know I'd, i'd just like to check out the process and dude that first day was so scary man it was like Season one of Ellen Eno's Riyad Musa. I'm
0: terrified for you right now, just hearing this.
1: Dude, season one, Riyad Musa's there. Conrad Koch is, of course, Lloyd Gola. Cajiso's the head Gajiso. dude. Dude, um, there's there's a Lindsay Chuto who's like a journalist now, but she's a great writer. She's Ivy League, graduated from uh, Columbia. David Kabuka. Kibuka's there. This dude called Nim Lionel Skink. You know all these people there that, that not only like writing chops but political backgrounds. Carabole deja, and so my first day, I, I just watched and I see lawyer week later and I say, man, I wanted to say something in that meeting but I was so scared. And uh, the next week he was like, yo, just just talk, man, like it's okay, you know. And I pitched I pitched a piece about Bladen Zamande. I was like, what has Bladen Zamande done? And then I was like, fuck all, thank you, that's the piece. And then <laughs> like. <laughs> like in his five years what has this dude done and so I, I you know i went back i researched him and i wrote this piece of like he graduated from the university of of uh, i think it was natal at the time and so that was my first start loy put me onto the show he let me write and 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 camilo salugi who also started at a similar time he was like just a runner you know him and i were the young boys in that in that group and over time they put us on and yeah so it started with like satire and then it moved to narrative scripts, and then it was like sketched off. And, you know, it's been it's been almost like 9, 10 years of it, maybe? 10, 10 11 years of, of writing? So that's been interesting.
0: That's such a fucking crazy start. It's only the kind of story that could happen in South Africa at that time.
1: Mm.
0: Because, mm. like, there's no one that's going to be like, yeah, no, I started writing because I was at the SNL, you know? <laughs> like studios and okay. they they just said no i speak up bro <laughs> like,
1: yeah i mean you know i'm I'm like i was doing let me contextualize i was doing stand-up already and like i was kind of nice in my early days so i had i'd won over a few people you know i'd been doing some odd stuff with john and and so i think Loy, in that regard trusted me because he was like okay this guy's got some funny chops, and you know if, if he brings fire it's cool if he doesn't we keep him moving you know I, it, it was like everybody would win either way and so yeah there's definitely a lot of accessibility for you for you what was like the writing stuff for you how did you get into your your kind of journalism
0: oh well that was from myspace <laughs> like well actually the first thing i ever wow. got printed was a letter, i
1: bro.
0: am dude at, at 34 years old i i do feel old now like the world has <laughs> passed me by i don't know what the kids are into I'm writing about music made five years ago now. I'm done with trying to keep up with what's happening. (laughs) But the first thing I ever wrote that got printed uh, was actually, actually the first thing I ever wrote was a poem about wrestling and it was called raw and it was in my school magazine and I can't fucking remember how it went, but it was, it was a haiku. I'm good at haikus. I'm actually going to tell you a haiku. Now I do this in my show sometimes it's called how to write a haiku. Mm-hmm. Let me see if I can remember it off the top. One, two, three, four, five syllables. Next line, seven. Then five more again.
1: That's a haiku.
0: That's a haiku, and it's done in like that's literally how you write a haiku: five syllables, is, then seven, then
1: five. This is so random, but the last one of the last fun, like really enjoyable games I played was go- called "The Ghost of Tsushima." Oh and yeah. So like, so there's like little cutscenes where he'll like go into like a a, a, a spring that heals him. And he reads. You can choose three different haikus to read about either life, death, or like war, and um, that's like the intermittent, like, kind of experience of finding these these little points across the map. So I'm not familiar with haikus. I I, I know I know more like rhyming and shit in terms of poetry. <laughs> like, I feel you. I, I, I want my shit to life. run
0: no that's what I, I mean these like a lot of my poems rhyme like i love limericks i love yep. fucking just you know basic like two to two like kind of stuff as well but that's actually probably what it started all for just poetry back then but then the first thing i got printed like properly was a letter to Blunt magazine where okay. i said i was going to write a letter to the local municipality and stick it on the door of uh um, <laughs> city hall and i've never told the story before <laughs> Go for so it. Uh, yeah i I did that after working at a photoshop i was about 15 or 16 i was 16 i think because i had yep. to be legally and yeah i was working at a photoshop on a saturday i rode down to city hall nobody was there except me i stuck my letter to the door and they never sent me the watch that i was meant to have won from blunt magazine for that letter so that's how my writing who, career starts.
1: That's that's pretty crazy, dude. For people who don't know, Blunt magazine is a skateboard magazine, right?
0: Yeah, skating and it became a music magazine. It became like a alternative youth culture magazine, but primarily skateboarding.
1: Just to let people know, because maybe they think we're talking about Blunt. That's a different magazine. That's High Times. For those of you that aren't <laughs> aware that we're very specific about our literature over here.
0: I haven't I haven't been published there yet. You know, I'm hoping they interview me one day. That would—that's actually like kind of the only like publication that I'm like, yeah, that would be a nice one.
1: I don't really, yo, man. I was thinking today of like why, why I think smoking weeds a bit corny.
0: (laughs) Dude, smoking weed is the corniest shit on earth. But I don't mind being a corny dude. Like I've learned to just embrace that. I am a fucking corny ass motherfucker, and I love smoking my weed because it makes me feel good, and the world makes me feel
1: bad. So I, you know, I agree with you, do you, but I was like, why do I feel this way? Like, am I becoming a conservative? Like, am I becoming <laughs> like a, like, a, you know, a closeted old man? And um, it's, I think it's because people I knew were smoking so young. Like at the time, they were also watching Dragon Ball Z. So that's what <laughs> we like. So that's what weed reminds <laughs> me of
0: trigger <laughs>
1: yeah like weed reminds me of people shaving for the first time and dragon ball z so i'm just like oh come <laughs> on man you all still talking about tazos, get the fuck out of here you, i uh, see I, it was bothering me i didn't know why i do want to ask you Bob.
0: to work that through
1: yeah that's what therapy's for we're gonna get to that but you're talking about blunt magazine did you skateboard or or were you down with skate culture
0: oh yeah no i skated every all every day at like one stage i used to skate to like there was a beachfront skate park i used to like skate and then go bodyboard and then skate some more then fucking you know go to a friend's house have a house party smoke weed drink beer like at 16 this was the laugh bro (laughs) like being a Durbanite is amazing
1: (laughs) you were you were living rebel crossfit skateboarding and
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's the funniest thing dude like about like alternative culture like if you even just look at like being in the marsh pit dude like you have to be so fit like i can't get in a marsh pit now i will fucking just like not even just always punching you and stuff that's whatever it's the not being able to breathe because i smoke too much and i haven't mm-hmm. like been haven't gone for a run in a while you know so yeah dude being, being a young alternative kid, you're actually fairly fit. I mean, just look at fucking Henry Rollins. I don't know if you know him, but he's like, he used to be the lead singer Spoken of Spoken Worker, right? Oh, there you go. He kn- yeah. Everyone knows him from a different thing. I saw him here in South Africa. He ac- actually did an interview with him uh, via the website, Poderbit is Yours, once. We sent him some questions. He didn't answer some of the ones about performing in a casino and not Tell- performing for poor audiences. I'm just going to say that. I'm just going to say that. But, uh,. Sell he out. Did- he did call me out for asking him about Black Flag and, like, it was weird. He scolded me and, like, weird memories.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is bizarre. I, what, what interests me, like, what is it that attracted you to skate culture? What did you like about it?
0: Oh, I think it's, I mean, you it's just different, dude. And it's just punk and it's just, like, you also, I don't know, it's hard as fuck in its own way. Like, whilst you've got your guys doing rugby and, like, being masculine in those ways, Like skateboarding has got its own ways of being like pretty masculine in terms of just slamming into the ground over and over again. And you keep Mm. getting up and you keep like, I think that's actually the thing about skateboarding is that I've never gotten good at it. I've always been shit at it. Like no matter how many years I put into it, no matter how much effort I put into skateboarding, I could never do the things other people could do. Like my feet just don't work that way, but it is, it's that constant, constantly trying and once you get it once you get a trick on lock it feels amazing and then you try the next thing and like you eat shit for a week and yeah and all of a sudden you know you know how to do the trick and like yeah that's the thing about skateboarding in particular that i love but it's the culture around it was also just so chaotic it was just about being destructive and just fucking hating the world and just you know like writing your name on shit and like yeah, it just felt like as a young kid who wanted to rebel against society, skate culture and all of that definitely appealed to me.
1: From what you said about process, skateboarding and golf are the same thing. <laughs> you heard it here yes. first.
0: Just, just for <laughs> slightly different people. I've played golf a little bit. Like I've gone to the driving range. That shit is not a fun time. <laughs> like it never does what you want it to do.
1: Same process, bro. Kick flips and learning how to hit a driver is the same shit. We've just mashed together two completely disparate groups of people.
0: I mean, but that—that that is like the thing about life and the thing about being a comedian, I guess, is finding those things. It's finding where we cross over and finding those processes where people are. Like, I mean, comedy is one of those things. It's about constant iteration. It's about mm. sucking and plateauing at times and not knowing what you're doing wrong. How am I? Are my feet not right? You know, yeah. and like. Stuff like that, and it's like, oh, let me actually just change this word around here. Oh snap, that hit there, and it's like, oh, let me move my feet up to the bolts. Like I'm not too sure. Like maybe for you, it's like, let me move my hand down a little bit more. Let me twist my grip a bit, and then all of a sudden, after (laughs) trying for like a fucking month, the joke hits, or you land the fucking you know kickflip, or you smash the ball further than you've ever gone, and like those are the the things about life, man. They are like. No matter who you are, I think there are well, at least to relate to other people.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I was gonna say, Bob, I've skated too, so you don't have to ch- change the, the metaphors. But I appreciate you for being inclusive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know because I know you're a footballer. Like that's the thing yes. that like I understand about you. So that's the thing. I figured maybe we would have had you would have, but also like I was gonna say you might have had a jockier school experience. But like I was playing cricket and softball and hockey and fucking. All the sports at school as well. So yeah, but yeah, how did you get into sports? I assume through school.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just liked, I just liked winning, man. I still like winning, like, <laughs> bro. Different. I love, I fucking love winning, dude. Like, you know, I can take, I can take a loss where we put in an effort, and you know, people were better than us, but I got to win, dude. Everything is like, so, so in in school. I mean, it's weird, you know. I mean, this is one of the tragedies of like having. Or, or kind of like growing up with a single mom is that she was incredibly busy. So there's certain things I just missed out on because I couldn't get to. But like, I was I making provincial. I was I was making provincial teams in like primary school, you know. And like, what? I'm not saying I would have been a incredible whatever, but you know, I was being picked for like outing, whatever, like you know, east and shit. But I just couldn't. I couldn't get to that level. So like, that's the only thing I really. I won't say regret in life. But I'm like, man, if I got in some coaching as a footballer, I think I would have cook, been cooking a lot of motherfuckers because I already am. But like, I think I could have been nice. And um, yeah, I love winning, man, and I love the I love trying stuff and failing, and persisting in that process and eventually getting it right and and not comparing yourself to other people because like you know that's what skateboarding was like for me. It's like I just couldn't get it right, but. It wasn't about what other people could do. It was about how I'd improve. It's like, hey, I can ollie today. Hey, I can do a pop shove it or whatever. You know, like, so that's the thing about sport. I was always trying to beat my own personal best in whatever that sport was.
0: I mean, I tried that. The problem is my friends were fucking assholes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I, I landed in ollie. But then it was like, oh, look at Bob. He can ollie. Yay you know like me yeah, lot could be a problem like trays like, <laughs> so what, you, what we're learning here is just surround yourself with the right people <laughs> supportive people well
1: without a doubt dude that is like a major thing of like but i i feel like that comes like as you get older did you find like your circle got smaller as you got older
0: my circle got smaller in this last fucking year, bro. <laughs> like,
1: oh, you know, I mean, everybody, you know, we're like, we're, we're, the radius has changed.
0: <laughs> but Definitely. I mean, more towards like my late 20s than anything, because mm. we just start to like, I don't know. Okay. So like, I'm also like, as someone who's like anti-social, I'm also very like socially minded. Like I'm very aware of what's happening in social circumstances and that can drive sure. me fucking crazy like like i and yeah you know like that's the thing i know the power dynamics in a circle when i walk into them kind of thing and Mm. that's been very hard to like just deal with and these days it's like it's so much easier well not these days but over the years where it's just been like you know what like stop worrying about like what other people think of you and what you know they're yeah unless someone says some shit to you just think they're cool like that's it. Don't try read too much into other people's interactions. Don't try read too much into body language and things people say. And, you know, people have different ways of communicating. Maybe you're reading situations the wrong way. Just give everyone the benefit of the doubt until they literally prove you wrong. And if people want to talk shit about me behind my back, fuck it. <laughs> like I can't control that. And that's a waste of their time. So that's kind of where I'm at with all of that.
1: I think what you're referring to is EQ, emotional quotient, the ability to be able to read and process interactions without them being like loaded, right?
0: Yeah, that's the problem though is like for me, it was always loaded before. And now it's just <laughs> like learning, learning, learning that it's not loaded.
1: <laughs> I think I was lucky. I kind of, I maybe, I, maybe we're similar, maybe we're not, but that ability to be somewhat perceptive of what's going on around you and acutely aware, like, Before the pandemic, I'd get to a place and not feel the vibe. And I'd say to people, the energy's off and just bounce. Like immediately, like I wouldn't go, maybe the night will get better. Maybe this tequila will get me right. I'd be like, peace out. Going to go boot up the Xbox. I I was just like, I don't want to do whatever this shit is. Like this energy here is like bizarre.
0: Yeah, that's what I've gotten to in my late 20s and now in my 30s. is like being able to do that. But for so much of my 20s, it was about... You know, being with people and being with my friends and, you know, being out and just constantly, you know, having fun, but also looking for others' approval around me, you know, like looking for my peers' approval. And so you do like go to events you might not necessarily vibe with and you might stick around and Hmm. deal with people you don't necessarily want to deal with just because you don't want to be the party pooper and you don't want to miss out. That fear of missing out is so big when you're like in your teens and when you're in your 20s but I just don't have that anymore. Like I haven't done a comedy gig in fucking since December 2019. And like, I do miss it, but I don't have that fear of missing out. You know, like I'm not like watching everyone doing it now and going like, Oh, I'm missing out on so much. I'm just like, Hey, people are doing their thing. That's cool. Like I'll do it when I can, like for my side, you know?
1: So how do you internally negotiate that? Because I'm playing a lot less, the FOMOs also a lot less. But how did you get to that point? That's what that's what is intriguing for me. How did you learn to be able to switch that off? To be like, no. I'm all the best can... comedians are old. Okay. So what do you I mean just need to get old? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's it? Just age?
0: I think it helps. <laughs> like I think it definitely. I think knowing what you're fucking talking about definitely helps and getting some life experience helps. And like, I also think the South African comedy isn't necessarily doing it like at its highest level. I mean, that might sound like derogatory, but what I mean is like, you're not performing every gig being, you know, the most discerning audiences and it's not always full and it's not always the tightest lineups. And like, it's just not like at the same like you're not competing at the same level as if you were in New York or London or any of those places and like that's not a knock on it it is just the way it is so to me it's like it's cool it's almost like it's a lot of these gigs are practice and that's great you know like that's obviously necessary and we need to do that but I don't have an end goal right now like I've got my two comedy shows I've got one written and another one that I'm currently writing and I need to test them and before I can do them and stuff But, you know, that's the thing. I've got it. And hopefully I don't die before I get to do them. (laughs) But I know I'll get to probably do them if time carries on. So that's the thing. I'm not that stressed about it. I've done it before. I know I can do it again. And I'm not missing out on doing open mic gigs to 10 people. Like, that's just the honest fucking truth. Like,
1: So so to me, it sounds like almost the way you frame the gig is they're, um, they're almost, how do I say it? They're they're part of a process. They're not the like the end event. They're not the end goal. Does that make no, sense? The
0: end the end goal is your one man show, and I think that's mm. for everyone, right? Yeah. Like yeah. like that's how we that's how we all see you know gigs. Well, it depends if you've got a one man show. That's how you see, you know, other gigs, smaller gigs, gigs where you do ten minutes, gigs where you do twenty minutes, and that those yeah. are. You, for one though, like obviously you want to give the audience the best possible thing. I'm not trying to dismiss any of that. Like, if I come do like a 10 minute set, I'm going to give you my fucking best for those 10 minutes. But I'm also going to try things. I'm also going to try and figure out some stuff that might not necessarily have locked yet, you know? And eventually, those things go into the main sets for the main show that I want people to come and see me talk for an hour. Like, I don't think. Any comedian necessarily wants to be on a lineup. You want to be the reason why people go to the show.
1: So you're saying we're almost like we're compromising in a way to to get to where we want to be. We I mean, every do. Every comedian does stuff. this
0: around the world. Like, yeah, yeah. Probably, yeah, no doubt, yeah. no doubt. But I'm just saying like in South Africa, the audiences are probably a little smaller and maybe less into what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no know thyself
0: yeah exactly dude like and i personally just like don't vibe with people as well as maybe everyone else does and so Mm. like within the scene and stuff and so like i'm trying to figure out the path that's my own and that i work with people that i want to work with but i Mm. don't necessarily have to be just another cog in the comedy machine because you look, there's lots of people over the over time that have really figured this thing out. I look at Loy, man, like, and like, he's Logolo. really
1: just,
0: yeah. yeah, his path, he just fucking, he's done his own thing. Like, mm. without, I mean, obviously he's played the game and he's done the gigs that he's had to do, you know, in the beginning and stuff like that. But nowadays, you know, like he's only going to pop in if he needs to test material. It's, yeah. not, it's not because he needs to be a part of the scene. You know, he's doing his own thing. And so I think sometimes, or at least for me early on, I was very caught up in the scene and very mm. caught up in trying to grow comedy and mm. especially in Durban and trying to, you know, just make things more than what they were. And now with yours and jadedness, I'm like, let me just do my.
1: <laughs> well, it's it's funny, like the stuff you're saying sounds like the conversation I had on your podcast, which is like the last time I really spoke truthfully about you know comedy broadly speaking because yeah. now nah, I, I really try not to talk about this shit no more just because it it is loaded and, and you it hurts your bookings i mean you know it's my my comedy does that no i'm joking um <laughs> no nah, i'm i'm also like i'm out the game you know i'm not out the oh, it's always a weird thing to talk about i almost want to move on just
0: but you're not on the circuit thing. you're not in the circuit
1: no, I'm not in the circuit. I'm at home, bro. I'm, I'll am be I be at the crib at 11 o'clock deciding if I want to eat a nachi or an orange or a nectarine. Like, that's my... That, like I just kind of do what I want now. That's what I want to do. I want to do what I want when I want to do it.
0: That's that's 100% it, man. And, like, that's that's what I'm feeling. Like, there's a time for comedy. There's a time for podcasting. There's a time for writing scripts. There's a time for fucking disappearing for six months and nobody hearing from you like Mm. there's time like you know like there really is like look at Ari Schaefer like a couple years ago that dude literally just went and traveled and like left his cell phone at home like you can do whatever you fucking want in this world (laughs) like you know if if you're blessed enough if you can sort out the finances you can you can make shit happen for yourself in whatever way like Daniel Kidson man that dude fucking just put shit on Bandcamp and like makes it super hard to watch him live, like can you I, know, limited tickets and all of that.
1: Can I tell you a story about Daniel Kitson Right. So this is this is so interesting because 2012, um, Rabin who I was just there's a, there's a promoter here in Joburg called Rabin, uh, Harduth. Organized just for people who don't know, don't have context. Years ago in twenty twelve, he went to Edinburgh with Dave Levinson and Lois socola. Somehow the guys found out about it and he invited a bunch of us and I eventually went. In Edinburgh, I think like Trevor was like, yo, you've got to see this guy, Kitson. So we're like, what? you got to see this guy. So Kitson has nothing online. I don't think I've ever seen anything of his, by the way.
0: You can literally get his stuff off Bandcamp and that's it.
1: Right? So not on YouTube, not on whatever. So anyway, he shows at the stand in Edinburgh, dude. People are queuing three hours before To watch this guy that you can't buy the ticket online, there's no computer ticket. There's I'd never seen that before in my life of like people literally waiting outside to buy a ticket to this act, and like I'm like, what kind of a model is this? What is this? Dude,
0: Doug Stanhope fucking flew to Norway, fucking put a stage in a warehouse and set up a bunch of fucking chairs, and that was it. Like that was a whole entire comedy special. Like, there's so many ways to do this thing, dude. Like, that's the thing that, like, inspires me when you tell me, like, you know, about Dale Kitson like that. And, like, I just see so many different comics who aren't the most famous comic in the world, but I fucking know who they are. And they pull, mm-hmm. like, venues everywhere they go. So there must be something to that. And those guys aren't doing, you know, open mic gigs. <laughs> like, They're not. They're people. They the yeah yeah no that's the thing it's just that's that's the thing that i just keep thinking about it's like sometimes you have to take yourself out of toxic situations
1: i feel you man it's all about kind of your own mental health and fortitude you, you spoke you mentioned time earlier which is quite interesting we've let's fast forward two and a half years where south africa what does it look like in your eyes oh fuck what's what's, that what's is, the landscape bro two and a half years time where oh, are
0: that is such a scary question dude where like i don't know like i don't think it's good
1: <laughs> like,
0: it's hard to be positive right now like if you look at the landscape i mean mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: hopefully there's you know some some change with the elections but then it's like well what's that change and mm. That's, I mean, that's the thing. It's, we need a fucking miracle at the moment is the way I see things, unfortunately. And it's not just South Africa. It's the entire world seems to be in this weird space that feels like there needs to be total upheaval for any sort of like goodness to come. Like mm-hmm. we, we, like, I know some people might be like, oh, fucking leftist, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But like, we can't have billionaires, bro. Like, this isn't like... As long as what, there's people. But Bob, the
1: what, about, who, what about what about Jay Z and Dr. Dre, Bob? What do you mean?
0: I mean, like let's <laughs> let's ask them how they got their startup funding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no. I mean,
0: respect to them for being able to, you know, t- take drug money and make it real. But like, <laughs> at the same time, it's yeah. I mean the the whole I, the whole thing is if someone has a billion dollars, that's a billion people that don't have a dollar. Like that's the simplest mm-hmm. way to explain that, but like, yeah, and there's you know only a couple billion people in the world, so you get rid of the billionaires, and everyone's like what, like a hundred dollars richer, probably. Oh fuck, we're not even that much better off. Maybe we don't yeah, kill the billionaires. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah,
1: when you where you do the math, is like, oh shit, wait, hold up, that's everybody gets six dollars from. <laughs> <laughs> we
0: kill all the billionaires. We but. But we also get to kill the millionaires. That is one thing, like that. I think is you know priceless.
1: Well, that's too you. You're looking it. but the thing is, they <laughs> make such a small percentage of the population. But I hear what you're saying. You're saying we do away with some of that stuff. Uh, um, yeah.
0: Well, yeah. So I just think, unfortunately, South Africa should have dealt with a lot of the issues that are persistent when when apartheid ended man should have just been like to my homies to my family to all the white people just being like yo we're taking the shit now because really then,
1: just like that like, yeah
0: <sighs> yes almost just like that like if you look at like germany and shit as they say although germany went through a lot i mean it's been 80 odd fucking years maybe even longer sure. in the 40s yeah so but you know like they did the shit that they had to do like to get over stuff. Like they they put the laws in and it's not just there. I mean, there's other examples throughout the world yep. where, you know, places have decolonized, but obviously there's a lot of strings being pulled behind the scenes and we all we all know the way the world works. So unfortunately that was never going to happen. But I do think like land distribution should have happened way sooner. And I think a lot of the issues that we face within the country could be, changed by that because like a lot more people would have access to wealth than they do now um a lot of it's tied up in land that's not even being used and Mm -hmm. yeah there's just that's the problem i just i'm not feeling very positive about the next two and a half years here um but i don't really know what that means you know like what we've we've carried on this far so (laughs) who knows yourself though are, are you at least positive about it
1: Bro, I don't know. I'm in like, I'm in a fog, dude. I'm in, um, you know, how long has it been now? Since <laughs> what, so what, so what are you talking about? How long? Pandemic, been? When did this pandemic, when did this, pandemic, how long is this, how long has this country been like this, Bob? It's been, no. um <laughs> I mean, do you want to ask my, like, my <laughs> nah, or do you want to ask me? No, no, no. Um Pandemic's been what? Like uh, a year and You're a bit, right? Done. So I'm like, I'm, I'm still in my sitting tight phase of like, yeah. Just if my mom Dukes get this, gets this vaccine, bro, I can relax a little bit. You know, like that's they, the not to say there well, is. I'm so low Yeah, that's I what I was gonna say. Time, I'm, I'm, so, yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm not by any means going at like that's the end of any health concern, but in terms of the immediacy of this one, at least it's like okay, we've sort of gotten that, and you know, there's, there'll be some kind of we can all breathe a sigh of relief. Just something, dude. Like, just a little ounce of, like... Because, you know, like, I from from working at LNN, dude, after we weren't working there anymore, I could not read the news, like, on a regular basis. To this day, I can't because it's, like... You ever follow a story of, like, a corrupt thing and then it pops up six months later and then you're like, no, these folks still haven't fixed this shit. Yeah, and, so, and then
0: five years so, later.
1: You know, and it's a cycle of stuff, you know, but I think I'm part positive... If we can just get this vaccine rollout, you know, crack a lack in, and then we can go back to worrying about normal stuff like being murdered, you know, this like be, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's let's go let's go back to the old stuff, you know, poverty and no, um, but <laughs> it's just like I think, and and also it's weird because like normal wasn't necessarily good either, right? Like before we no, but we, like we, things on, things um,
0: were pretty fucked,
1: yeah. So, it's like, yeah, just just get people vaccinated, let's deal with that thing, and then we'll deal with other shit as it comes around, and then maybe I'll be a little bit less um uptight about all this shit,
0: yeah, I think the biggest problem with all of this is like political change requires a lot of sacrifice, yeah, and you know, like we've just seen like people can get complacent and be complacent because they have what they need and they're placated, yeah. and so you're not necessarily that motivated to political will because your life's okay and that's the problem i think we're facing around the world is maybe the middle class is actually bigger than people thought and it is more comfortable than people thought so i do th- i don't know like how change can come and like i hate like preaching revolution because revolution is usually violent and i don't dig that like i don't want Anything like that in this country ever again? Mm -hmm. Like, you know. So, it's just one of those things where it's like, we do need structures to change because they are clearly incorrect, and money is just being siphoned away from the people at the bottom—the people who create the stuff in this country. Like the mines. The main thing is the mines should have been fucking nationalized ages ago. You look at (laughs) like like Nordic countries, and you know they're selling their fucking oil, and everyone in the country gets a fucking payout from that shit and we could be doing the same thing here like every south african could be getting some of the gold like it's like just you know imagine once a year you get like a grand in your bank account just because south africa sold gold like that's how it should be yeah i mean
1: that would be dope man some royalties off this gold and platinum shit i would i would like that a lot man talking about platinum and gold music and how it is measured has totally changed we're in a streaming era. Do you think that's distorted, like how successful artists really are? I know I'm jumping big topic, but oh, do you think me,
0: Yeah, you? let's go for it. Oh uh, yes, one hundred percent. Like I don't think streams are real, like as a measure <laughs> of anything. I mean, you can fake that shit pretty easily. Like you can't fake sales at the end of the you day. Can, and, you like, can
1: fake sales, man. You can I mean, go you to- can
0: fake... okay, yeah. Well, who was it some who was a South African person who like pee I was yeah, it was one of the rappers. I don't want to say reason, but it might have been reason. Where, like, play energy drink. Like, someone, like, yeah. Like, people I, were accusing him of it going funny.
1: Was it someone else? No. Oh,
0: was, yes. It might have been our I funny. I, I can't remember. Someone will let us know in the comments. Yeah. Because yep. there's a comment section. Yeah. Someone <laughs> someone will tweet us and let us know. But there was a section where someone had, like, an energy drink apparently Give away a bunch of their albums, eventually, they bought a bunch of them, and that like contributed to getting gold. So, I mean, there's ways to manipulate that system too. But yeah, like the streams thing, I think, can be manipulated. The algorithms can be manipulated. But it's the same problems like the music industry has always had. Except now, I do think the music industry is way more democratized. It's way easier for people to make music, put it on the internet, get it heard by people, have an audience. But yeah, the major, the big labels are still fucking you over. That's not going to change. They've still got all the money. They're still going to, you know, look at Justin Bieber's post about, like, how to support him. And, like, you know, you've got to fucking, like, I don't know if he actually wrote that thing of, like, you know, turn the volume down and you go to sleep and stream the thing on repeat or something.
1: Oh, really? Is that what he said?
0: I don't know if he said that. I think someone was making a meme. that Allegedly. Allegedly.
1: allegedly. We don't know who's listening. (laughs) Allegedly. Allegedly.
0: Allegedly. (laughs) But yeah, man. I don't know. It's also just personally, like I'm. I've moved away from streaming stuff again, just because I don't want someone tracking my fucking listening habits to try and hey, sell man. me more
1: shit. They're like, tracking everything, saying,
0: Bomb. I know they are, but like, they can track my fucking, you know, Pirate Bay download.
1: <laughs> You're gonna see skateboards pop up in your timeline out of fucking nowhere for the next two weeks. Don't say I didn't warn you. <laughs> I am. Um, you were talking about uh, music being democratized, and I saw the negative of that uh, recently. <laughs> I was on the way to have lunch with some folks here in Joburg, and at the traffic light, I was driving my car and I wasn't wearing my mask. So this young guy comes over to the window. And, you know, normally, I would just, like, pull away. Not pull away, but, like, I'd bounce, you know? I'd be like, no, nah, I'm good. But he but he recognized me, and then I was like, shit, I have to buy this mixtape now. <laughs> so, 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 this kid, you know, I kind of, like, semi put the window down. Probably bigger TV, hey? Oh, man, I hate it. And he's like, so I'm like, how much, fam? he says 80 Rand. I'm like, okay, cool. So, I, I reach into my moon bag, and I whip out all the money I can kind of, find and i give it to him and he's like yo that 60 rand is too short so i'm like ah okay so i put
0: so like, <laughs> Jack from tv is giving me 60 rand for my mixtape this motherfucker
1: right so i don't want to be a scammer now i'm scamming a youth them He had a yoko too in case you don't have cash you can swipe <laughs> <laughs> that's just
0: do amazing it.
1: just do that a full mean. entrepreneur he was a boss dude anyway i pull over i find another 20 i give him this this quap I drive, I leave the thing. It's like sat in the passenger seat for like two weeks. So today I go to the range and my boy Wade is like, yo, what is that? I'm like, oh, dude, I haven't even listened to this tape before. Let me chuck it on.
0: <laughs> oh, I've been here.
1: Bro, it was so bad. Dude, like I, like everyone who's listening, like, please continue to support the arts. Like, you know.
0: But maybe, maybe that that's the thing about streaming is at least you get to give it a listen
1: first. Yo, I'm I'm for buying stuff, man. You want me to pay full price for it? I'll cop. I, I've bought specials, you know, for five dollars and whatever, but like, dude, I was like, you know what is the worst thing? His flow was off.
0: Yo. <laughs> Yo, hi <laughs> you- Yeah, yeah, being I- off beat, like not on purpose, is your one of the one of those things where yeah like i know i've received a lot of demos dude like from both oh. and, the and from dyr and like that was the biggest thing it's like some people do it like on purpose and it's rad but like that's you can hear <laughs> like you can literally hear because they're still like rapping like to a beat it's just not on the beat but like other people dude. like literally are just not in time <laughs> like at all in any
1: bro I'm going to go back to that traffic light because i got
0: to ask for a refund.
1: <laughs> or just tell them how I feel because where am I going to review the shit? You know, there's no <laughs> comment section in the streets, bro. This isn't like,
0: I just like, I don't,
1: I don't know, man. I respect these hustle Give big some up. Notes. You know, young entrepreneur, the beat selection is corny. The rhymes <laughs> was off. You, you know how bad it was? I was like, I could have, I can do it better than this. And I haven't rapped in 10 years. And I was like, I can I can make a seven-track album better than this.
0: Yeah, but can you sell it on the streets with a Yoko?
1: Bro, I don't even have to. I'll put that shit on Twitter. I'm not saying people buy it, but I've got reach, man. I got, you know, I got reach. <laughs> yeah, but he's
0: dude. got sales, bro. He's literally making money from rap music whilst you're talking about it. Yeah, That's well, all I'm saying. No. That's all I'm saying.
1: So what, what are you planning, Bob, that he's the real deal and I'm being fraudulent? What's going on here? <laughs>
0: I'm just saying a lot of us think we can do it better, but we don't.
1: So that's a a great, you know, that's a great thing to put on a t-shirt. A lot of you think you can do it better. (laughs) (laughs) But But you don't, bro. Um,
0: Well, I was going to say, like, getting into a crowded game, what what made you start your podcast?
1: Ooh, podcasting. Um, I like talking to people, man, like you know i have the phrase like I, I hate strangers i love people you know amen and the only and the only way to to get to that point is to talk to someone and find out what they're about and what you know their philosophies and politics are to be honest, sometimes it doesn't end well, particularly because I do stand-up. So it's like I'm talking to drunks at the end of the show. It's like, yo, fuck it. And then like Yassi, bro. Like, you know, my wife. And it's like, Jesus Christ, why did I talk to this person?
0: That is literally the worst part of our job. Like, no offense to anyone who comes and talks to me after the show. Sometimes I like it. But it's having <laughs> to talk to people after the show. Because
1: yeah.
0: the, the advice you get offered, is, <laughs> it's really bro you you like i could i could have that thank you for that joke i really appreciate it
1: (laughs) yeah you you write so much better than me anyway here's a t-shirt so many people think they can do it but you don't um yeah i like chatting to people and, and getting to know them but the thing that fascinates me the most is the why oh here's a actually i think where this started years ago you remember Kulula used to put comedians on the, on the, on their cover page?
0: On um, Yeah, on the magazine. I, I I kind of wanted to do that once. You know, I was like, hey, that's a goal.
1: It seemed very cool, man. I think it popped off. But they had asked me to do it and they, you have to interview someone, you know? Yeah. So they were like, who do you want to talk to? I'm like, I want to talk to Atandwa Ghani who is now in the states of course he was in black panther you know he was known as the prince of theater when he was here who i'd met like he, when he was doing this interesting drag character as part of a Vitz whale festival anyway i met him years oh, ago so. and he was a really cool dude and then and then the next person was jenna dover who is a, a lawyer and tv and,
0: presenter
1: and, yeah and she's a model and lawyer and I was like, yo, I got, I want to I interview these two people, man. This would be so cool. So anyway, the people at the publishing house set up the interviews. And I think I meet Atandwa and Rosebank. You know, I put my phone down. I hit record. <laughs> to do the same thing with Jenna and have these really interesting conversations of like wanting to know her story and about her craft and why she wanted to be such a great actress and why she learned French and. I record the shit, I send it off to the publishing house. They're like, uh, this is like an hour and twenty minutes too long. Like, <laughs> like oh man. I, I sent them two 90 minute recordings and they wanted like 10 of like fluff, you know, like because it's just going into Oh, a-
0: into so you a- do not have to transcribe it.
1: Nah, no, nah, but it's like remember the shit's going into like an in-flight magazine, dude.
0: Yeah, it's a little yeah it's just question answer question answer one page like you're done
1: bro i'm doing a fucking megan markle prince harry oprah special with these two bro i'm like yeah and like i went in dude because i wanted to know like about their stories and like why they did this shit so the why for me is fascinating and not just with people with things like but why, why does it do that why does it how come when i press this input it does that and And sharing that with people, I think, was more important. I think there's a lot you can learn about people's journeys and your own when you just watch, like, a really cool interview or a podcast.
0: Amen, bro. Like, I'm very much on the same level there. Like, except Mm. I would say for me, like you, for you, it's the why. For me, it's almost like it's the how. It's Mm. like, how do people get to where they are? You know, what are the decisions you made that led you to this point? And then, you know, that leads to why you made those decisions. But like I always, so like my like I used to listen to WTF with Mark Maron for like probably like eight or nine years now. Like it's been maybe even ten. Like at this point, it's been so long. And I've loved podcasts. I've listened to podcasts forever. And the one thing that always stuck out for me in the Mark Maron interviews, well, one interview in particular was one with Kevin Bacon, and he was Mm. talking about when he started in film and how everyone on set thought he was a square and like he called them like he was invited to this party and he called them to let them know the cops were like on the way and then they just laughed at him yeah dude listen to the kevin bacon fucking episode of mark mad wtf with mark Marin? because he even then talks about going to the premiere and then going back like to his job at like he was a waiter and like it's crazy so that to me was just like you know you see these people on, in these situations, like even here in South Africa, like we see people like you on TV. We see people like Loy on Netflix. We see so many different people. Like for me, one of the best interviews I did was with Louisa Modinga, where he talks about um, having writers block, despite the mm. fact that this motherfucker's on Netflix. You mm. know, <laughs> He's mm. traveling the country. He's doing big things. And so that's the thing to me that was always like kind of valuable was lifting that veil a little bit and understanding that everyone's just a fucking person and you can do it too so that was kind of the whole basis for me with my podcast was just like let me let me find out how south africans do it and how different industries do it and how Mm. different people can do it because my whole thing is you know you can learn from experience but the experience doesn't have to be your own and that's the thing like i've found from listening to podcasts it's how much i've just learned from other people's experiences
1: Mm. i mean you're right i think that's a it's a way to Sometimes fast-track, not fast-track your progress, but... let cheat code. Yeah, and just to miss certain hurdles. Like, dude, if someone's done it before you, you know, like you're just saving yourself a bunch of time. I will say this, though, that I was watching some... There's a comedy promoter who's like... He was talking about if he created a blueprint for siphon comedy. And I was just like, nah, dude, because no one else has popped after you bounce. So, obviously... Either you're hoarding this shit or you've like your thing is just randomized. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I'm not sure about this blueprint. Um, podcasts, what do you listen to when oh, you're not making your to? own? Uh,
0: let me actually just quickly open my phone and look at what's here because I listen to a lot of different podcasts, uh, mostly uh about Magic the Gathering strategy. <laughs> uh, but WTF Pod with uh, Mark Marin, obviously. <laughs> The Indicator, but Planet Money, even more new. Uh, I listen to Penn Sunday School, which is with uh, Penn Gillette. I listen to On the Page, which is this podcast about uh, writing film and writing for TV and all of that. Uh, Radio New Frame is the South African podcast I've been listening to lately. Uh, What else? Uh, Planet Money, Hidden Brain, Philosophize This, The Fat Wallet Show is another South African one revisionist history stuff you should know good one and also this is important the workaholics podcast that's fucking hilarious like oh nice yeah you should check those guys out so that's the thing like i yeah i listen i've got so many subscriptions and i go into phases where like i'll just binge certain things like i there's a few that i listen to every week but mostly it's you know like i'll wait a little while and then i'll listen to like four or five in a row and just do that whilst i'm working or whilst i'm walking or you know catching a taxi or something like it's yeah it's just the the only problem with creating podcasts and writing about music for a living is you don't get to listen to other stuff whilst you're doing your job
1: sure (laughs) (laughs) and you You miss out on a lot i what am i listening to um bodega boys probably my top Uh... favorite classic uh Jesus nice in the kid mirror those are my dudes yep yeah,
0: kid mirror got me into rock marciano like that dude's like reviews on on noisy like six mm. or seven years ago where the shit he used to do like caps lock reviews and he was amazing it coming into dude. french montana so yeah oh wow
1: uh, yeah those guys are fire i really dig their energy um fraudsters is an interesting one it's by this guy i met years ago he's a comic and I think he might be a lecturer of African studies, and it's about people who do fraudulent stuff, basically, or who, who use like the the worries and concerns of the people to um, generate wealth for themselves. You know, like
0: uh, oh snap! So you getting some tips?
1: Nah, I mean, you know, I'm I'm not ready to be a pastor just yet. But you know, Dr. Umar Johnson, Rachel Dolazar, <laughs> you know, the Grand Wizard David Duke wow like it's really interesting and they they have this crazy research team who's he isn't he the what's it the the dude who
0: started Scientology
1: yeah there's an L. Ron Hubbard house here in Joburg like
0: yeah yeah I've I've got the business card of the guy who runs the thing I want to go visit it like I saw I met them at comic-con and was like I want to come to your house and then they gave me the phone like the card with the phone number and I've just been too scared to call it from my own cell phone
1: yeah, that's funny they they got you bro once they got your digits you fucked you're gonna be doing Scientology orgies and shit I um, mean
0: it, it works out all right for some people
1: I mean Tom Cruise and no one else uh who else is <laughs> I like
0: what is Korea
1: nah I'd want to be taller um so <laughs> we've got hot boxing with Mike Tyson that's really good quite interesting Iron it Mike is it? I uh,
0: haven't heard that yet I saw him on AEW wrestling the other day. That's that's my only interaction with Mike recently.
1: Mike Tyson's fascinating for me because I think he is probably one of the greatest boxers of all time, but also that just had like a really troubled like and fucked up life. You know, like his marriage uh with Givens, his his trainer dying. Like, you know, he talks a lot about survival, how a lot of the stuff he did was just like survival, dude, and how he had to unlearn all of that stuff. But like, that's the thing. We- He's
0: a great example for that, of someone who's done terrible things and actually learned from them and actually done his time and tried to get better.
1: Do I agree with you. one of the craziest things I heard in these podcasts was like someone that was commenting on how relaxed he is. And he said, you don't know how much violence it took me to make me this calm. And I was like, that's quite an interesting, you know, when you think of trauma that people go through, like like how much sometimes you have to process to get to a point of like peace to get to that end goal you know
0: yeah man that's actually that's the thing there is like a lot of people go through that turmoil and that adversity and like it was something like lawyer was mentioning on the podcast i did with him where it's like Mm -hmm. you know it's easy to condemn people it's easy to judge it's easy to say what that person did was wrong and yes we can all do that but why how how do we fix it how do we change it how do we prevent it from happening again those are meant to be the questions but we're often just caught up in our righteous indignation of condemning you know people because i think there's still lots of people who wouldn't fuck with mark tyson and sure like there's valid yes. reasons mm. but at the same time you have to give opportunity for redemption Like you have to like that's the whole point of the I mean, the judicial system's fucked, but it's the whole point of that. It's the whole point of justice. It's the whole point. Like, justice isn't about, you know, someone else having to die. You know, it's about making sure that that person doesn't do the thing again and, like, is reformed and society itself is made better by it. And looking at Mark's career over the last few years, not even just the last few years in general, it's hard to say, like, hasn't been a positive benefit to the world
1: yeah i think he definitely improved and he he figured out what was troubling him and it's interesting like i say he's a you know he's a a violent he's kind of you know the the sport of boxing which i love and i watch because it's a sweet science as opposed to like ufc just like people getting the shit beat out of them i know people
0: UFC has got science to it but i'm with you
1: no, I just mean like it's like it's not like fucking knees to the head and like
0: it's a bit I could, more brutal.
1: Yes, it's where boxing is like I could watch a dude like slip a bunch of punches and that's as exciting as you know a, a, a overhand right hook if, if that makes sense. And yeah. and to see Mike just change and become a really different human being who's less aggressive, less triggered, who's kind of aware of. His size and stature, and what he he meant, and it's still kind of un. You know, this it's interesting. Today has been about unlearning in terms of what we've been talking about, but I think that's the, the the reason why I dig him is like he is unlearning, and and that's a process. I guess we're all going through.
0: Yeah, it's just it's unfortunate that Lisa got there first. You know, like with the with the show title.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's great. It's really like it's one of the from a marketing perspective. It's fucking brilliant.
0: Yeah, and he works on that forever, but like it is kind of the process. Well, not always. I guess some comedians don't. Like some comedians, like, just get more into their own ways as they get older, but others, like, you know, spend their entire career just unlearning all the shit that, like, they were saying when they were younger.
1: I agree. Uh, To Lloyd's credit, he's been harping on not harping that makes it seem like he was like this annoying guy he's been focused on this idea of unlearning for years like even before it was a show i think it was a thing he would like say in conversation and so to see it like now encapsulated into this thing is like really great to see after spending so much time on 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 himself and trying to figure shit out you know
0: yeah, but I think it's important as an artist to do that. Like, what are you offering to the world if you don't know yourself?
1: I don't want to unlearn, Bob. I want to be stuck in my old habits of not preparing for gigs, not writing enough, and then using incredible crowd work to get me out of uh, bullshit.
0: Yeah, your crowd work is annoyingly good. Like, I won't lie. Like, I hate, like it's like, <laughs> I'm like... I know I can write good jokes, but holy shit, like the way you i mean you like we won't pull the curtain back too much, but like you know you know what you're doing a little bit before the person opens their mouth, but you know like you're you're quick with it
1: Ayov, hey, you know it's from all the westerns I watched growing up. I watched uh, zero westerns by the way, for anybody listening <laughs> <laughs> not my fucking genre of things, but yeah, I mean. Yeah, I need, to, I need to start writing again. That's what I'm trying to do. Well, What are you working on at the moment? Like,
0: uh, At the moment, not much. Uh, I've been trying to keep my ground alive. That's been my number one priority. Done pretty well so far. We're getting well there. Played. And I'm, awesome, other, awesome. I'm either moving back home in the next week or two. Mm. So then I actually have to start thinking about what I'm doing with my life. But yep. the main thing I'm focusing at the, on at the moment is I've written a short film called waiting for frank i might Mm -hmm. change that name because there's an actual coke dealer in durban called frank and it's about waiting for him um (laughs) like it's kind of like waiting for Gotto but not like at all it's about these two this guy and this girl who are waiting for the drug dealer outside the winston in durban and the interactions they have whilst that happens so that's that's the main thing i've got at the moment i've sent that script to a few friends to get some notes and Still. then I'm gonna send it to a few producer friends to get some notes and maybe some people saying, "Hey, let's make this thing." And so that's that's the majority of my yeah. my my thing at the moment. The podcast as well is a big project. I'm constantly yeah. updating the website, working on the SEO, trying to like just improve like lots of little things. You know, improve the edits every time I do it. Just, like, those are the two biggest things at the moment because I really scaled back this year on my goals.
1: <laughs>
0: like, last year, it was, like, Yo, I'm going to have my special on fucking Showmax. I'm going to have the, like, Heat City Comedy Festival be, like, bigger than ever. Like, all these things. And, yeah, you know, nothing happened. So, I've <laughs> learned... If I can produce a podcast every Friday, like I said on your on um your episode you did with me, yeah. like... Then I I would have felt like this year was a success, but I know you're working on a comedy show at the moment. I mean, that's thing I'm writing for comedy, but like those those are just notes, you know, until I get to actually do it. But yourself, what's what's your vibe at the moment?
1: Um, uh, online show that that we did season one of. There's a little bit of chit chat about that. Um, we just did a run at the Bioscope in Joburg, so I'm I'm kind of sitting tight until I have another run of like my show. Like I'm, I'm not really doing gigs uh, yeah. in between. What else I got popping? I'm trying to start writing again, man. I'm trying to get, get active and get fit. I'm not drinking anymore. Well, not anymore. I'm just taking a, a little break. I mean, um, a two
0: day break. I'm proud of myself. <laughs> two days.
1: That's crazy. So my, so my rule I'm is if I-
0: with my grand, like I'm a 34 year old man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay no judgment I, I i take it all back um but i if I go a week without drinking, I buy a bottle of wine and then i can't drink it because I'm still not drinking, so I'm trying to amass Ooh, a collection it's a, nice. a, a sneaky way, so hopefully by the end of this year, I'll have like thirty bottles of really high grade wine checkerss not checkers or bins we we're going big bob we're 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 splurging out on these bottles. We're going we're going twenty sixteen things. No, I'm not I'm not going too crazy, but they are the
0: twenty eighteen Robertson's Ruby Cabernet.
1: Uh we've we got to go a little bit further. I want some some exclusive selections. But yeah, um getting ready for this online show. Lots of lots of uh, people reaching out and, and asking about stuff. But I'm 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 maxing, relaxing, bro. Video games to keep me sane, working out, just Actually, trying to live cook- a little.
0: Can I quickly ask you a question about that? You said lots of people mm. asking you things. Are you saying no because the fee at the moment has just been cut short ridiculously
1: um, a little bit of that, a little bit of like, I don't really wanna do this a little bit of like <laughs> of like, wait, who are you? Um, Ooh, yeah. okay. no, like not in a bad way. it's like
0: wow well,
1: I no, just like I was talking to someone and I was like, you know what my My pops used to always be like, why are people so greedy? (laughs) Like, like why do they want all this shit? Like, you know, so a part of me is like trying not to be greedy and snatch at everything that comes my way. And if it makes sense, you know, and um, I've been lucky, I think throughout my whole career, that whenever I'm in in dire need of something, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> something pops up and like, you know, my, my, my expenses are low, bro. Car just got paid off. So, you know, it's like that, that kind of stuff. I live a low expense life, so I don't need yeah, as much bro. as maybe other people need. So I, I can be a little bit more selective and choose what I, I want to do and maybe I make less money and that's fine. I'm, but it's enough. It's enough. I'm, I'm eating, I'm eating, I'm buying wine. I don't drink. So it all works out. <laughs> Are you getting the same kind of phone calls? Or, oh definitely or, or not reaching out
0: no <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, but like dude, like I post like i've I've made a lot of like very public like posts about how I feel about you know comedy and the industry and everything like that, so I'm not expecting my phone to be buzzing anytime soon, like I know if I want to do some things, I'm gonna have to make some calls i've just seen how everyone else has been dealing with things i've just seen how yeah like a lot of people have been complaining about you know the corporates cutting rates and stuff like that for comedy but i'm with you there when it comes to the whole you know choosing what you want to work for kind of thing because i was even chatting to Paige the other day and like i've been thinking about it a ton and i know it might be arrogant to say when i'm not getting the offers But like, I don't want to do adverts, you know, like I don't want to be the guy on TV that people see from the advert, you know, I want to be Bob, like the guy that they know from being fucking Bob, (laughs) like, you know, like not from, hey, like, and that's no, that's no shade to anyone who's doing it, because it's good money. It's a great way to get recognized. It's a great way to get experience acting. Like, if you are okay with that, and you want to do that, please, please, please fucking do that. And don't think I am judging you. I am not at all it is just something i have had to think about for myself and go is this a path you want to take and it's no.
1: not gonna lie bob i'm for the adverts they uh just allow me to get a different kind of wine no um i I like a little bit of a mix but you know oh you know what i recently just did oh man actually i don't know if i can talk about it but i did an afrikaans movie dude i mean my dialogue was in english but it's but it's a full-on afrikaans short movie and um, they're going to try to take it to fest. I just got, like, a, a screenshot of it. I saw some of, like, the footage. And uh, it was really fun, dude. I, see, I that's the I shit I, I want to do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, that sounds amazing, dude. Like, creating dope shit with rad people, like, that gets seen by people. Like, and it doesn't, ha- like, it's art. Like, that's what I want to do. I want to create arts. So I don't want to create ads.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to write a short now, but we'll see. Anyway, I'm, I rambled on about all the all the shit that i'm not doing
0: <laughs> <laughs> all the shit you got in the pipeline
1: oh fuck pipelines bro Bump, thank What's you man This you? Is fun. yeah yeah
0: wait okay. one more question before we do end this what is the plan for your fucking podcast because i want to hear more episodes but you like so have you do you agree with me fuck video and you're just gonna go for audio only
1: no i don't agree with you i'll tell you why i i've spent all this money on this equipment bob and i need to somehow recuperate this money no but the plan for the podcast was to have people in my flat in my apartment and record with them you know and that's how i did the podcast anyway when it was just audio but since the panoramics i kind of just shut it down and i tried doing it remotely and you know I'm, i'm pretty good with tech but the two three episodes that i recorded were not of the quality that i like and i'm all about production value so i said until i can find an alternative way to make something that i'm happy with because I love the conversation, but I don't want people to tune out because it doesn't sound right. And so yeah. I'm going to take five. But now that you've put me onto this, you know, shout out Zencaster, send us some guap. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit, there is a way to do this. So I'm, I'm going to try this out. So shout out to you Bob for plugging me into to Well, Zencaster. I've actually got to
0: give a shout out to Simi because Simi is the one who I think mentioned Zencaster to me first. So shout out to Simi for putting me onto that because it's been... So helpful. I mean, it's also been a little buggy, and it's yep. caused some issues during both the lawyer interview and the fucking Moonchild Snailly interview. Not Damn. for the two most famous people I've interviewed or anything, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> the big how ones, big you cut ones. out oh, But no. but at the same time, it has just been a very useful way to do this stuff remotely. But I'm with you, man. There is nothing like having a conversation with someone in perfect in person. But this has been fucking great. So thank you.
1: It's been super dope. Thank you. Shout out uh, once again, RF, for putting us on. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. This is Mojack Loku from Tell Us More, and of course,
0: this is Bob Perfect from the Almost Perfect Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>